Good day. Today is March 27th, 2023, and this is Democracy Appalled. I'm your host, Rohan Mova. We're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. We're live from 1490 WWPRAM every Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmo.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember that email is democracyappalled at gmo.com. Today, we've got an aggressive but extremely interesting schedule. So first, we'll look at point number five uh, in our understanding of democracy, which is the future evolution of democracy. Then we'll go into the 1964 Brazilian military coup and its impact on democracy. Then we'll look at the autocrats' false play on democracy. So that involves China and Russia and their presidents and leaders and how they falsify a democracy. Why don't they just state that it's a dictatorship? And then we'll look at the recent democracy summit and the exclusion of Turkey and Hungary as part of our current affairs. And then we'll revisit our India and Israel current affairs and take a look at what's still happening there. So let's start off with what we'll do today in the future of democracy. So we'll look at new forms of democratic governance. We'll discuss the potential for new forms of democratic governance, such as digital democracy and e-governance. We'll look at the impact of new technology. So we'll discuss how new technologies are likely to shape the future of democracy, including the impact of AI and blockchain on voting systems. Then we'll look at the challenges posed by global climate change and other environmental issues. So how could these issues increase global cooperation or show the need for global cooperation and potential for new policies to limit democratic freedoms as well. That's a great possibility. So basically, global cooperation is our last point in that one. So let's look at the past four four points that we've covered in our previous episodes. So we started off with the history of democracy as point number one, where we looked at the ancient origins, the democratic ideals in Greece, including the concept of citizenship, representation, direct democracy, its origins. Then as still part of that point, we looked at modern democratic systems. So we discussed the development of parliamentary systems in Europe, the spread of democratic ideals during the Enlightenment, and the impact of the American Revolution on the creation of modern democratic nations. We also looked at the spread of democracy, where we discussed the growth of democratic movements in the 20th century, the impact and the fall of the Soviet Union, and the current state of democracy in different regions of the world. So that was point number one, the history of democracy. Then we went to point number two, the role of democracy in modern society. So the impact on economic development. So we discussed how democracy has contributed to economic growth and stability, including the examples of countries like South Korea and Taiwan. Then we discussed how democracy has helped to protect and promote human rights, including freedom of speech, religion, and assembly. And then we discussed how democracy has helped to reduce economic inequality, including examples of countries with with social welfare systems as a possibility, and Scandinavia as, as an example of that. Then we looked into the current state of democracy in the United States. So that includes political polarization. That's point number three. And that includes political polarization, which is a massive thing that is taking over. And so there we discussed the growing divide between political parties in the United States, including the impact of gerrymandering, media echo chambers, and the influence of money in politics. And then we discussed, furthermore, with the influence of money in politics, We discussed the role of campaign financing and the influence of special interest groups in shaping political decisions. And then we looked into the challenges posed by new technologies. So we discussed how social media, big data, and other technologies are changing the political landscape, including the impact of misinformation, 
and cyber attacks on elections. Then, for point number four, we discuss the current state of democracy globally, the growth of authoritarianism, so we discuss the rise of authoritarian leaders and regimes, including the examples of China, Russia, and Turkey. Then we looked at populism, where we discussed the growth of populist movements, including recent examples of Brexit, President Donald Trump's election, and the rise of far-right parties in, the, in Europe. Then we looked at the challenges posed by rising nationalism, where we discussed how nationalism and nationalistic movements are impacting democracy, including the examples of Israel and India. Those are the four points that we've covered in previous episodes, but this week we'll be looking at the future evolution of democracy, which I believe is very interesting and very thought-provoking as well. Next week, for the next and final point we will cover in our understanding of democracy, our initial understanding of democracy, should I say, because we'll continue to understand democracy at a much deeper level. But that is the relationship between democracy and the media and how it will continue to evolve democracy. And that's what we'll cover next week. It's a very interesting point that has a lot to cover. It plays into some of what we'll discuss today about the future evolution of democracy, but the relationship between democracy and the media is a key understanding that really deserves its own point. In relation to that point, we'll discuss many different topics that I'll give a high-level overview because I believe it's important for today. So what we'll discuss is democracy relies on an informed citizenry, right? So a healthy democracy requires that citizens are well-informed about political issues and candidates, enabling them to make educated decisions during elections to hold leaders accountable. And then there's the fact that the media is the fourth estate. So the media is often referred to as the fourth estate, which emphasizes its crucial role in acting as a watchdog on government actions and providing a platform for public debate and discussion. And then there's the idea that media shapes public opinion. The media has the power to shape public opinion by presenting information, offering analysis, and providing diverse perspectives on various issues. This helps the public form their own opinion and fosters democratic discourse. And then there's mainstream media versus alternative media. So while mainstream media sources often dominate public attention, Alternative media can offer different perspectives and counter-narratives, contributing to a more diverse and nuanced understanding of political issues. Then we have the impact of social media. Social media platforms have become increasingly influential in shaping public opinion, enabling the rapid dissemination of information and opinions, but also contributing to the spread of misinformation and media echo chambers. There's also media bias and objectivity. This is something we hear all the time. The objectivity and fairness of the media can be called into question due to various factors, including political bias, corporate influence, and sensationalism. This can impact the quality of information available to the public and affect democratic processes. So then finally, there's media literacy and critical thinking. Encouraging media literacy and critical thinking among citizens is essential for a healthy democracy, as it enables individuals to navigate the vast landscape of media sources and discern reliable information from misinformation or biased reporting. Get ready. These are some really exciting points that we'll be covering in next week's session, but this is something that I really thought was important for us to understand today with a high-level understanding, but we'll really get into the weeds of this in next week's episode. Get ready, because after we cover this final point next week, we'll unveil a new series next week for the next couple of episodes for us to go through. Now let's get into this week's topic in our understanding of democracy. The future evolution of democracy. So let's get started. So new forms of democratic governance. So the first of which being digital democracy and e-governance. In the early days of the internet, few could have predicted the profound impact it would have on democratic processes. Today, digital democracy, it's transforming the way citizens engage 
with their governments and participate in decision making. Online platforms have enabled grassroots movements and increased access to information, empowering citizens to make more informed decisions. Let's take a closer look at the Arab Spring, which began in 2010. Social media played a significant role in mobilizing the masses, facilitating the rapid spread of information, and allowing activists to coordinate protests. This showcases the power of digital democracy in action. Imagine if the Founding Fathers had something like this to communicate with each other during the American Revolution. This would have been game-changing. E-governance, on the other hand, it has evolved from early efforts to digitize government records and services. The Estonian government, for example, has been a pioneer in e-governance and implementing a digital identity system called e-Estonia that enables citizens to access public services online. Thanks to this system, Estonia now ranks among the most digitally advanced nations in the world. Let's take a look at the potential benefits and the potential challenges. Digital democracy offers numerous benefits, such as increased transparency, more direct citizen participation, and reduced barriers to entry for political candidates. For example, the 2008 Obama campaign used social media to mobilize supporters and fundraise, showcasing the power of digital democracy in action. However, digital democracy also comes with challenges, such as the spread of misinformation, echo chambers, and the digital divide that leaves some citizens without access to digital tools. For instance, during the 2016 presidential election, fake news stories spread like wildfire on social media, leading to confusion and mistrust among voters. E-governance has the potential to streamline government operations and make public services more accessible. However, privacy concerns and the risk of surveillance are also significant challenges that must be addressed. We need to strike a balance between harnessing the power of technology and preserving individual rights and privacy. Now let's look at the impact of new technologies on democracy, specifically focusing on artificial intelligence and voting systems. So AI has the potential to revolutionize voting systems by improving the efficiency, security, and accessibility of elections. In Switzerland, for example, the city of Zug successfully tested an AI-assisted voting system in 2018. This pilot project demonstrated how AI could be used to detect and prevent voter fraud, streamline the vote counting process, and enable remote voting for people with disabilities. However, AI also raises ethical and privacy concerns, as well as the risk of manipulation. We must remember that technology is not inherently good or bad. It's how we use it that matters. History offers cautionary tales of how technology can be used to manipulate public opinion. For example, during the Cold War, state-sponsored propaganda campaigns were prevalent on both sides. Today, AI algorithms can be used to generate deep deepfakes or manipulate social media to sway public opinion. Deepfakes are these videos where you think someone is saying something, but it's really AI generated. So if you scroll through TikTok, you may see videos of President Biden or President Trump or President Obama saying something that is that may be really funny, but they didn't really say it. This is manipulated by AI. So safeguards must be in place to protect against these risks. Now let's go to blockchain and voting. So blockchain technology offers a secure, transparent, and tamper-proof method for recording votes. The West Virginia Secretary of State's office, for example, conducted a successful pilot system of a blockchain-based voting system in 2018. In the 2018 midterm elections, this was used. This pilot showcased the potential of blockchain technology to ensure that every vote is accurately counted and verified. The decentralized nature of blockchain 
also minimizes the risk of a single point of failure in the voting system. However, large-scale implementation faces challenges, such as voter trust and technical limitations. Historically, paper ballots have been the primary method for recording votes. And while secure, this method can be slow and prone to human error. Blockchain offers a modern solution to these issues, but we must also consider the potential for misuse or unintended consequences, as seen in the case of electronic voting machines, which have been criticized for their lack of transparency and vulnerability to hacking. It's all about how we use the technology and make sure that there are safeguards in place. And when it comes to the future evolution of democracy, there are challenges posed by global issues, and they require global cooperation, and technology can play a big role in that. This is your host, Rohan Mova, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmail.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember that email is democracyappalled at gmail.com. So, the need for global cooperation. Cybersecurity is a global challenge that transcends national borders and requires unprecedented levels of international cooperation. The Budapest Convention on Cybercrime, signed by 66 nations in 2001, is a prime example of countries coming together to combat cybercrime and enhance cybersecurity. However, implementing these commitments has been proven to be a challenge, as illustrated by differing national policies on digital privacy and data protection. Historically, international cooperation has been essential in addressing global issues, such as the eradication of smallpox or the establishment of the United Nations. The future of democracy hinges on our ability to work together to confront cybersecurity and other digital challenges while respecting democratic values and principles. When it comes to global cooperation, there are definitely potential limitations when it comes to democratic freedoms. And that's one of the reasons that it reminds me of when Woodrow Wilson proposed the League of Nations, but the Senate did not want to ratify it. And that's because the League of Nations would have taken away from the United States sovereign power and sovereign freedoms. Addressing digital challenges may necessitate policies that limit certain democratic freedoms, such as restrictions on internet access or digital surveillance. For example, the implementation of nationwide internet censorship in some countries is an instance of a policy that has significant implications for individual freedoms. It's essential that such policies are implemented transparently with public input and oversight to ensure that they are fair and proportionate to the challenges that they seek to address. The use of public consultations, referendums, and parliamentary debates can help strike a balance between digital security and democratic freedoms. But it's always important to remember, sovereignty cannot be infringed. And that's what happens many times when it comes to global cooperation. How do you remain a sovereign state while still helping and working with other states in, in such a global cooperative manner? There's a fine line to strike between keeping sovereign freedom and global cooperation. So you need to find that line and keep it because you don't want global cooperation to infringe on national sovereignty or the freedoms of a state. So that's really important to remember. So as we've explored today, the future evolution of democracy, it's uncertain as we navigate new forms of governance, emerging technologies, and pressing global challenges. By examining historical examples and understanding the potential benefits and risks, we can make informed decisions about the direction we want our democratic systems to take. As we move forward, it's critical that we work together and embrace innovative solutions that not only preserve democratic values, 
but also adapt to the ever-changing landscape of the 21st century. With that being said, and now that we have a strong basic understanding about the future evolution of democracy, which could include great global cooperation and the need for global cooperation rather, because of the challenges posed by global issues, the impact of new technologies on and democracy, including artificial intelligence, and then the digital democracy and e-governance through new forms of democratic governance. Now that we have a basic understanding of what the future evolution of democracy could look like, I'd like to take a look at the 1964 Brazilian military coup. So I'd like to look at its impact on Brazilian democracy, its subsequent military dictatorship that lasted for 21 years, and discuss the events leading up to the coup, the role of foreign powers, and the long-term consequences for Brazil's democratic development. This is something that took place on March 27, 1964, 59 years to the day. This is your host, Rohan Mova, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmail.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember, that email is democracyappalled at gmail.com. Let's begin. On March 27, 1964, 59 years to the day, the military coup in Brazil took place, which eventually led to the establishment of a military dictatorship that lasted for 21 years. This event marked a significant turning point in Brazilian history and democracy, as the military government suppressed civil liberties, censored the press, and engaged in widespread human rights abuses. The coup was carried out by Brazilian military leaders who were dissatisfied with President Joao Goulart's administration and his perceived alignment with communist ideologies. The United States government, fearing the spread of communism in Latin America, covertly started the coup. This dark chapter in Brazilian history came to an end in 1985 when civilian rule was restored and the country began its path towards rebuilding democratic institutions and civil liberties. So let's start with its very beginning. In the early 1960s, Brazil faced a period of political and economic instability under President Joao Goulart's administration. So Goulart, a leftist leader, implemented policies aimed at addressing income inequality, land reform, and labor rights. However, these policies were met with resistance from conservative groups, military leaders, and business elites, who believed that Goulart was moving the country towards socialism or even communism. At the same time, Brazil was experiencing high inflation, economic stagnation, and a growing national debt. These issues fueled political polarization and social unrest, setting the stage for a military coup in 1964. During the Cold War, the United States was deeply concerned about the spread of communism in Latin America. As a result, the U.S. government under President Lyndon Baines Johnson closely monitored the situation in Brazil, covertly supported anti-Golart factions within the Brazilian military. Operation Brother Sam was the covert operation led by the CIA, which provided logistical support, intelligence, and resources to the coup plotters, further exacerbating the crisis in Brazil. On March 27, 1964, 59 years to the day, the Brazilian military coup began. It was orchestrated by military leaders who opposed Golart's administration. With support from the United States, the coup leaders swiftly took control of key institutions and strategic locations, forcing Golart to flee the country. On April 1, 1964, the military officials officially seized power, and General Castelo Branco was appointed as the new president. 
In the immediate aftermath of the coup, the new regime moved quickly to consolidate power, suppress opposition, and implement its vision of a national security state. The military government suspended constitutional rights, imposed strict censorship, and launched a campaign of repression against perceived enemies of the state. Over the 21 years of military rule, Brazil experienced a period of political repression, human rights abuses, and economic growth known as the Brazilian Miracle. The regime was marked by a series of military presidents, each implementing policies to maintain control and suppress dissent. So remember what we talked about last week when it came to autocratic rule. The main thing was creating fear and suppressing and creating self-censorship by suppressing the people. So creating fear and creating self-censorship. And that's what happened here, where you maintain control and suppress dissent. During this time, the regime targeted political opponents, labor activists, journalists, and other perceived threats, subjecting them to arrest, torture, and execution. Thousands of Brazilians were detained, tortured, or forcibly disappeared, and many more were forced into exile. On the economic front, the military government pursued policies that prioritized industrialization, infrastructure development, and foreign investment. While these policies led to rapid economic growth and modernization, they also exacerbated income inequality and environmental degradation. So, by the early 1980s, the military regime faced mounting pressure from both domestic and international sources to restore democracy. Like we talked about previously, autocratic rule will only last for so long because the people will eventually revolt. Brazil experienced a period of economic stagnation and growing public discontent leading to these widespread calls for democratic reforms. The Diretas Ja movement, which demanded direct presidential elections, gained significant momentum and support throughout the country. In 1985, following a series of negotiations, the military agreed to a gradual transition to civilian rule. That year, Brazil held indirect presidential elections. An opposition candidate, Tancredo Nevas, was elected, marking the end of the military dictatorship. The legacy of the military dictatorship continues to shape Brazil's political landscape and its democratic institutions. In the years following the restoration of democracy in Brazil, Brazil has made significant strides in strengthening its democratic institution, promoting transparency, and addressing human rights abuses committed during the dictatorship. The establishment of the Truth Commission in 2012 marked an important step in Brazil's efforts to confront its past, investigate human rights violations, and provide a measure of justice for victims and their families. However, the country still faces challenges in fully addressing the lingering effects of the dictatorship, including political polarization, social inequality, and the ongoing struggle to consolidate democratic norms. Democracy is not perfect in Brazil, as we analyzed former President Jair Bolsonaro a couple weeks ago and his attempt to subdue democracy in Brazil after being voted out of office. While it's not perfect, it is much, much better and in the control of the civilians and the people of Brazil to a great degree. The coup and its aftermath serve as a cautionary tale about the fragility of democratic institutions and the long-term consequences of political repression. As we continue to discuss the future of democracy around the world, it's essential to learn from history and work together to protect and strengthen the democratic principles that we hold dear. Let's shift gears a little bit and look at something that's happening today. We're going to discuss the dangerous charade that autocrats like Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin are playing by pretending to embrace democracy while consolidating power and suppressing freedoms in their countries. So the autocrats false democracy play. This is your host, Rohan Mofa, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. 
If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmail.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember, that email is democracyappalled at gmail.com. Democracy has been the cornerstone of political thought and practice in the modern world, acting as a beacon of hope and progress for society striving for fairness, equality, and representation. However, there is a growing trend among autocratic leaders to manipulate and redefine the fundamental principles of democracy in order to serve their own agendas. We'll delve into how this facade of democracy is being exploited by leaders such as Vladimir Putin of Russia and Xi Jinping of China, and the potential implications this has on the global stage. In recent times, we have witnessed a growing facade of democracy in countries like China and Russia, where leaders use seemingly democratic processes to legitimize their rule. The recent exchange between Putin and Xi, where they congratulated each other on their elections, highlights the trend. I put elections in air quotes. It is important to recognize that these aren't isolated incidents. Leaders like Saddam Hussein in Iraq and Muammar Gaddafi in Libya also use fake elections to claim popular support. And the reason why I put elections in air quotes throughout this is because they aren't elections. They're fake elections. You know the, you know the outcome before anything happens. There aren't polls. Nothing's real. It's an election that's rigged. Real rigged elections. Understanding the historical context of the facade of democracy in China and Russia is crucial in comprehending how these countries have evolved into autocratic systems they are today. The Soviet Union and Maoist China both had one-party systems that they held the power through force of repression. However, in the post-Cold War era, both countries attempted to adopt more democratic structures, but these attempts were short-lived and superficial. The real power still remained in the hands of a select few with democracy being used as a veneer to maintain the legitimacy of their rule. Elections in China and Russia serve as a perfect example of how the facade of democracy is maintained. In both countries, elections are carefully controlled and manipulated to ensure that the ruling party remains in power. Opposition candidates are often harassed, jailed, or even assassinated, and independent media outlets are stifled or silenced to prevent any dissenting voices from reaching the public. Both Xi and Putin are actively working to reshape the world's understanding of democracy as part of their proposed new world order. China, for example, has released a white paper titled China, Democracy That Works, which presents its model as a viable alternative for the developing world. China's foreign minister, King Gang, also criticized the Biden administration's framing of a global competition between democracies and autocracies. The concept of a whole process democracy is central to the narrative pushed by China and Russia. This model appeals to other dictators and despots who don't want to admit that they hold power through brute force. The goal is to undermine democracy, human rights, and the rule of law in the international system, which in turn threatens the foundation of a global liberal order. China and Russia have been actively exporting their authoritarian models to other countries, particularly in the developing world. This is done through a combination of economic and political support, as well as the spreading of their redefined democratic ideals. The ultimate objective is to create a network of like-minded countries that are more inclined to support their global ambitions. The influence of autocratic narratives is spreading across the globe, posing a serious threat to the foundations of democracy. A recent report by the U.S. Institute of Peace detailed China's extensive global campaign to influence media in the developing world through propaganda, corruption of local media, covert influence operations, and the co-opting of local officials. Unfortunately, 
support for democracy promotion has been eroding in the United States as well. Some U.S. experts argue that we should ignore the ideological component of the great power competition in favor of cooperation with dictatorships. This approach undermines the global efforts to promote and protect democratic values and could inadvertently enable the continued growth of autocratic narratives. The Biden administration has taken some steps to counter the rise of autocracy, most notably through hosting the Summit for Democracy. This event aims to bolster international support for democratic values and principles, but it may not be enough to counter the growing influence of autocratic narratives. More consistent and coordinated efforts are required among democratic nations to effectively address this threat. Putin and Xi want to run their systems as dictators while claiming the mantle of democracy in the 21st century. Their pretense reveals that they know their actual model is neither populist nor just. It is crucial for leaders in open societies to ensure that democracy isn't defined by those who oppose it. One potential solution is the establishment of a global democratic alliance, where like-minded countries work together to promote democratic values, counter autocratic narratives, and support countries transitioning towards democracy. This alliance would serve as a bulwark against the spread of autocratic influence and provide a strong, unified voice in defense of democratic principles on the global stage. Another important aspect of defending democracy is empowering civil society and independent media. These institutions play a crucial role in holding governments accountable and providing a platform for dissenting voices. By supporting and promoting independent media and civil society organizations, democratic countries can help counter the spread of autocratic narratives and ensure that the true principles of democracy are upheld. Ultimately, the defense of democracy requires constant vigilance and proactive efforts by democratic nations. This includes not only addressing the external threats posed by autocratic regimes, but also ensuring that domestic democratic institutions are strong and resilient. By working together and remaining committed to democratic values, leaders in open societies can successfully counter the rise of autocracy and preserve the true principles of democracy for future generations. Let us continue to stand up for the principles of democracy, the true principles of democracy, and work together to protect and promote these values across the globe and not let these fake principles of fake democracy stand. Now let's turn our heads to something that will be taking place this week. We'll be discussing the recent news about the exclusion of NATO allies Turkey and Hungary from the upcoming Summit for Democracy hosted by the Biden administration. As we explore the reasons behind this decision, We'll also delve into the implications for relations with these two countries and the broader state of democracy worldwide. This is your host, Rohan Mova, and if you're just tuning in, we're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmo.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember, that email is democracyappalled at gmo.com. Democracy has been a cornerstone of the global order since the end of World War II, with the United States playing a leading role in promoting and defending democratic values worldwide. The state of democracy has become a central theme in international relations. The upcoming Summit for Democracy, organized by the Biden administration, is a testament to the continued importance of this issue. However, the exclusion of Turkey and Hungary from the event has raised questions about the delicate balance between promoting democracy and maintaining strategic alliances. In this analysis, we'll discuss the Summit for Democracy, the reasons behind the exclusion of Turkey and Hungary, and the broader implications for democracy in NATO. 
The Summit for Democracy is a global event designed to bring together democratic governments to address common challenges and strengthen democratic institutions. With around 120 countries invited, the summit aims to facilitate dialogue and collaboration among democracies, enhance democratic resilience, and counter the rise of autocracies. The summit will focus on three main themes, defending against authoritarianism, fighting corruption, and promoting respect for human rights. I think defending against authoritarianism is a key point, especially seeing uh, President Putin of Russia and Xi Jinping of China coming together in what they call an economic alliance to safeguard the two countries from Western alliances like NATO. So another one is fighting corruption, which in a democratic governance, it's important to safeguard democratic values. And fighting corruption is a key piece of that, because when you have corruption, we'll see this in our India revisit of current affairs. But when you don't have when you don't fight corruption, you see a democracy that is not safeguarded. And then promoting respect for human rights, because when you look at authoritarianism, what is their key piece? We've always said this. It's censorship, self-censorship, promoting fear that creates self-censorship. And that's a big issue. So when you're able to promote human rights, like freedom of speech, the freedom of expression, and freedom in general, that makes democracy so much stronger. So with the summit focusing on these three main themes, these are the essential points of safeguarding democracy. By addressing these challenges, the summit seeks to bolster democracies and advance shared values worldwide. Both Turkey and Hungary have experienced significant democratic backsliding in recent years. Under President Erdogan and Prime Minister Orban, these countries have seen a decline in the rule of law, freedom of press, and the independence of key institutions. The erosion of democratic norms has raised concerns among the international community, including the United States. The Biden administration's decision to exclude Turkey and Hungary from the Summit for Democracy reflects these concerns. By leaving these NATO allies off the invitation list, the United States is sending a clear message that the democratic values are essential to maintaining strong international partnerships. The exclusion of Turkey and Hungary from the summit could further strain relations between the United States and these two NATO members. As important partners in the West strategy against Russia, and with the support needed for the potential ascension of Finland and Sweden into NATO, this decision highlights the challenges of balancing the promotion of democratic values with the need for strategic partnerships. The exclusion of Turkey and Hungary underscores the importance of addressing democratic backsliding within the NATO alliance. As an organization committed to the defense of democratic values, NATO must find ways to encourage its members to uphold these principles while maintaining strong collective security. The Summit for Democracy offers a unique platform for mature and emerging democracies to exchange ideas and experiences. By fostering dialogue and collaboration, the summit can help counter the rise of autocracies and encourage democratic resilience. As we navigate the complex dynamics between promoting democracy and maintaining strategic alliances, it is crucial to continue supporting democratic institutions and principles both at home and abroad. By engaging with other democratic nations, the United States can reinforce its commitment to upholding these values and lead by example. Throughout history, the United States has played a critical role in promoting and defending democracy worldwide. From the Marshall Plan to the establishment of the United Nations, the U.S. has consistently worked to advance democratic values and foster international cooperation. In today's global landscape, American leadership remains crucial in the fight for democracy. As autocracies continue to challenge democratic norms and institutions, the United States must stand firm 
in its commitment to promote and defend these values. By organizing events like the Summit for Democracy, the United States can help to galvanize the international community and foster greater collaboration among democratic nations. The Biden administration's decision to exclude Turkey and Hungary from the upcoming Summit for Democracy highlights the complex dynamics at play between promoting democratic values and maintaining strategic alliances. As we navigate these challenges, it's crucial to continue supporting democratic institutions at princ in principle at home and abroad. That is so crucial that we as the people never forget these values and continue to promote them because the moment that we forget them and the moment we stop promoting them is the moment that democracy dies. The Summit for Democracy presents an opportunity to reinforce the importance of democracy in the face of growing autocratic threats and to strengthen the bond between democratic nations. Let's always keep advocating for the preservation and strengthening of democracy around the world. I'd like to now revisit Israel. Israel is a country that we've discussed many times in the past regarding current affairs and the recent developments, the concerning developments that are happening in Israel. So today I'd like to revisit that and go further in depth and look at what the broader implications could be in Israel and the Middle East and democracy around the world. So I really want to discuss the concerning developments where the nation might be on the brink of transitioning from a liberal democracy to a non-democratic weak state. This situation presents not only internal challenges, but also potential geopolitical risks for the wider Middle East. And there have been many ups and downs with Israel in the recent past and their democratic history. So this is going to be something that will explore all the nuances, something that's very concerning, but also very interesting at the same time. This is your host, Rohan Mova. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmail.com. And we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember, that email is democracyappalled at gmail.com. To understand the current political situation in Israel, we must delve into its complex history. The establishment of Israel as a modern nation-state in 1948 was a turning point in Jewish history, creating a homeland for the Jewish people after centuries of persecution and diaspora. Since its inception, Israel has navigated a delicate balance between its Jewish identity and its democratic system of government. This balance is threatened by the recent legislative proposals put forth by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition government. The growing trend of populism across the globe has significant impact on democracies, including Israel. Populist leaders like Netanyahu often promise to represent the will of the people and undermine established institutions that serve as checks and balances on their power. In many cases, these leaders exploit societal divisions and grievances to consolidate their control. The erosion of democratic norms under Netanyahu's leadership, as evidenced by proposed legislative changes, is part of a broader global trend. Similar developments can be seen in countries such as Turkey, Hungary, and Poland, where populist governments have weakened democratic institutions and civil liberties. In each of these cases, populist leaders have sought to undermine the independence of the judiciary and limit the power of other branches of government. In light of these concerning trends, it is crucial for the international community to take a stand and support the preservation of democratic values in Israel and elsewhere. The United States, as a key ally of Israel and a global leader in promoting democracy, has a crucial role to play in this effort. By engaging in diplomatic efforts and leveraging its influence, the United States can encourage Israel to reconsider its proposed legislative changes and maintain its commitment to democratic principles. The European Union, another influential player on the global stage, 
can also play a vital role in addressing the erosion of democracy in Israel. As a powerful economic and political bloc, the EU can use its leverage to encourage the Israeli government to uphold democratic norms and protect the rights of all its citizens, including Arab citizens, who are at risk of dis discrimination. And it's always important to remember the idea of majority rule with minority rights, and that's so crucial to any democratic form of government, which is why we have the checks and balances, which is why we have separation of power, and which is why we have representation. It's so that the minority rights are protected while you still have majority rule. Additionally, international organizations like the United States, they can serve as forums for dialogue and cooperation on the preservation of democracy because it's so crucial that you have global cooperation when it comes to issues like this, and you have global dialogue. By fostering cooperation between democracies and facilitating discussions on best practices, these organizations can help build a global consensus on the importance of upholding democratic principles in the face of rising populism and authoritarianism. It's always so much stronger when there are more countries involved, when more players come together to protect democracy, which is why civil society organizations have a critical role to play in defending democracy, both in Israel and around the world. By advocating for democratic values, raising public awareness of threats to democracy, and holding governments accountable for their actions, civil society can serve as a bulwark against the erosion of democratic norms. In Israel, civil society organizations have been instrumental in pushing back against the government's proposed legislation. By raising awareness and mobilizing public opposition, these organizations have helped to expose the potential dangers of the proposed changes and encourage the government to reconsider its actions. Similarly, civil society organizations in other countries facing democratic backsliding can serve as crucial agents of change. By working together and learning from one another's experiences, civil society actors can help build a global network of democratic defenders committed to preserving democratic principles and institutions. Educating the public about the importance of democracy and the risks associated with the erosion of democratic norms is also vital for preserving democratic systems because the people at the core that support democracy are needed for a strong democracy. Because if you don't have people supporting democracy, there is no democracy. By fostering a culture of civic engagement and promoting critical thinking skills, education can help build a more informed and active citizenry capable of defending democratic principles. In Israel and other countries facing democratic backsliding, the role of the media and educational institutions is particularly important. By providing accurate and unbiased information about the state of democracy and the actions of political leaders, these institutions can help the public make more informed decisions and hold their governments accountable. Furthermore, public awareness campaigns, civic education programs, and initiatives aimed at promoting democratic values can help cultivate a sense of shared responsibility for preserving democracy. By engaging the public in meaningful discussions about the importance of democratic principles and the challenges facing democracies, these efforts can contribute to building a more resilient and inclusive democratic society. In a healthy democracy, political opposition and checks and balances are essential for ensuring that power does not become concentrated in the hands of the few. That is possibly the most scariest thing if the power gets concentrated too heavily in the elite. The presence of a strong and active opposition, along with independent institutions that can hold the government accountable, can help prevent the erosion of democratic norms and the rise of authoritarianism. In Israel, the role of the opposition in pushing back against the government's proposed legislative changes is crucial. By presenting alternative policy proposals, 
challenging the government's actions, and advocating for the preservation of democratic norms. The opposition can serve as a counterbalance to the ruling coalition's power. Similarly, the independence of the judiciary and other institutions that provide checks and balances on executive power is critical for safeguarding democracy. By ensuring that these institutions remain free from political interference, democracies can better protect their democratic systems from the risks associated with the concentration of power. The erosion of democracy in Israel has broader implications for the Middle East and the world at large. As a key ally of the United States and a regional power in the Middle East, Israel's actions and political developments have significant ripple effects on regional stability and international relations. The potential for increased discrimination against Arab citizens, the shift towards a more religious governed state, and the increased tensions with Iran all have the potential to exacerbate existing conflicts and contribute to further instability in the region. This, in turn, can impact global security and the balance of power, making it even more critical for the international community to address the situation in Israel and support the preservation of democratic values. If we take a look at the very recent history in Israel over the past 11 weeks, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition government has proposed legislation that threatens the balance of power within the country. So these measures, they include limiting judicial review, altering the Judicial Selection Committee to favor governmental control, canceling Supreme Court intervention in cases of extreme executive orders, and transforming legal advisors into political appointees. Furthermore, laws are being considered that would allow politicians on trial or even convicted ones to serve in ministerial roles. These changes, designed to benefit Netanyahu, who has been on trial for corruption charges, have faced strong opposition. If enacted, these laws could spell the end of democracy in Israel, by undermining the power of the Supreme Court in challenging the nation's economic stability. The high-tech sector, which accounts for 25% of Israel's income tax revenue, is vital to its economy, and it's already begun to leave the country. Simultaneously, religious forces are pushing to turn Israel into a country governed by Jewish law, which could lead to the establishment of a clerical state. This effort is led by an ultra-Orthodox and Zionist religious group, which together make up a significant portion of the population and are growing in political influence. These changes are likely to have severe consequences domestically and internationally. Arab citizens, who make up about 20% of Israel's population, may become targets of discrimination and could eventually lose their voting rights. Meanwhile, Iran, identified as an external enemy, may have greater incentives to pursue nuclear capabilities in response to Israel's shifting political landscape and increasing belligerence. As Israel faces these challenges, it is crucial for Western leaders to recognize the potential dangers and take action to prevent the situation from escalating. Leaders like President Biden, Chancellor Schultz, and President Macron must continue to send a clear message to Netanyahu and his government, urging them to reconsider these policies and avoid pushing Israel and the Middle East into a dangerous and unpredictable future. These proposed legislative changes in Israel, which threaten to undermine the country's democratic norms and institutions, they're part of a broader trend of democratic backsliding and rising populism around the world. It is imperative for the international community, civil society organizations, and democratic governments to work together to address these challenges and promote the preservation of democratic principles and institutions. By engaging in diplomatic efforts, supporting civil society organizations, promoting public awareness and education, and fostering cooperation between democracies, we can help ensure that democratic values continue to thrive in the face of these challenges. The future of democracy in Israel and around the world depends on our collective efforts to protect and strengthen the democratic principles that underpin our societies. 
democracy is at stake here. Another place where democracy is at stake is in India. I'd like to address the concerning development in India that has implications for freedom of speech and its relationship to American values and democracy. So let's visit that. This is your host, Rohan Movan. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about democracy and its impact on the world. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmo.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember, that email is democracyappalled at gmo.com. Recently, just a couple days ago on March 23rd, key Indian opposition leader Rahul Gandhi lost his parliamentary seat after a court found him guilty of defamation over his remarks about Prime Minister Narendra Modi's surname. Gandhi was disqualified from his membership in the lower house of parliament, as Indian parliamentary rules dictate that a member loses their seat if convicted of a crime and sentenced to two or more years in prison. Now let's discuss why this event raises concerns about the suppression of freedom of speech. Defamation laws, like those in India, are meant to protect individuals from false and damaging statements. However, when these laws are too stringent, they can be misused and suppress legitimate criticism or dissent. In the case of Rahul Gandhi, one could argue that his political speech, a crucial component of any democracy, was unfairly stifled through a legal process. This situation in India involving Rahul Gandhi's disqualification from parliament following a defamation conviction raises concerns about the freedom of speech, particularly in the political sphere. Defamation laws exist to protect individuals from false and damaging statements, but they can also be misused to suppress legitimate criticism or dissent, potentially threatening freedom of speech. In the United States, the First Amendment to the Constitution protects freedom of speech, including political speech. However, defamation laws also exist, and individuals can be held legally responsible for making false statements and damaging statements about others. The key difference between the United States and India in this context is the standard of proof required in defamation cases involving public figures. In the United States, public figures such as politicians must prove that the defendant acted with actual malice when making the defamatory statement. This means that the person who made the statement either knew it was false or acted with reckless disregard for the truth. This higher standard of proof makes it more difficult for public figures to win defamation cases in the United States, thus providing greater protection for freedom of speech. In India, with defamation laws, public figures do not need to meet the actual malice standard to win a case. This makes it easier for politicians to use defamation laws to silence their critics, which could lead to the suppression of free speech. The higher standard of proof required in the United States for defamation cases involving public figures offers greater protection for freedom of speech in the country. However, it is still essential to remain vigilant about potential threats to freedom of speech as the balance between protecting individual reputations and ensuring open political discourse can be delicate. The situation with Rahul Gandhi in India serves as a reminder of the importance of maintaining a delicate balance between protecting individual reputations and ensuring open political discourse. As Americans, we must continue to uphold and defend our First Amendment rights, which are essential to the functioning of our democracy. Freedom of speech has long been a cornerstone of democratic societies, dating back to ancient Greece and Rome. The concept of free speech was a critical element in the development of modern democratic ideals, with philosophers such as John Locke and John Stuart Mill advocating for the importance of open disclosure in a free society. Throughout history, there have been numerous instances where freedom of speech has come under threat, oftentimes during social and political upheaval. In the United States, 
The Sedition Act of 1798 was passed, which made it a crime to publish false, scandalous, and malicious writing against the government. This law was widely criticized and eventually expired in 1801. Similarly, during World War I, the Espionage Act of 1917 and the Sedition Act of 1918 were enacted, both of which placed significant restrictions on freedom of speech in the name of national security. These acts were later repealed or amended to better align with the principles of free speech. In more recent history, the rise of authoritarian regimes worldwide has posed a new challenge to the freedom of speech. Countries like China, Russia, and Turkey have implemented strict controls on the media and the internet, stifling dissent and limiting the free flow of information. As democracies face threats, it is crucial to remember the importance of safeguarding freedom of speech as a fundamental right. The importance of freedom of speech transcends national borders. As a fundamental human right enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it is essential for the international community to work together to uphold and protect this essential freedom. In many parts of the world, journalists, activists, and ordinary citizens continue to face threats to the freedom of speech. These threats can take various forms, such as censorship, imprisonment, or even violence. In response, international organizations such as the United Nations, the European Union, and human rights advocacy groups work tirelessly to promote and defend freedom of speech worldwide. Supporting and advocating for free speech globally not only helps protect the rights of individuals living under oppressive regimes, but also bolsters the resilience of democracies everywhere. By standing together in defense of free speech, democratic nations can send a powerful message to authoritarian governments that the suppression of this fundamental right will not be tolerated. The disqualification of Rahul Gandhi in India serves as a potent reminder of the delicate balance between protecting individual reputations and ensuring open political discourse. As we examine the broader implications of this event, it is crucial to remain vigilant about potential threats to freedom of speech, both in the United States and around the world. By examining historical examples, understanding the role of technology in shaping discourse, and recognizing the global significance of free speech, we can better appreciate the importance of this fundamental right. Let us never take our hard-earned freedoms for granted and continue to work together to protect and preserve the values that make our democracy strong. In the face of ongoing challenges to the freedom of speech, it is vital for individuals, governments, and international organizations to remain committed to defending this essential freedom. By doing so, we can help ensure the continued vibrancy of democratic societies and promote a brighter and more open future for all. This brings us back to the age-old question, is democracy appalled or is it prevailing? So there have been numerous hiccups as we're seeing, whether it be with Israel, whether it be with India, whether it be with the autocratic regimes, there are numerous hiccups that are happening. But in the United States, democracy is pre prevailing. Globally, it seems to be seriously undermined. Overall, democracy is prevailing, but in our recent times with certain places and with these recent developments, it is definitely appalled by what is taking place. Because you look at what is happening in India with the suppression of the freedom of speech. You look at what is taking place in these autocratic regimes that are growing in China and Russia and their alliances that are getting stronger and stronger and only strengthening autocratic regimes. And the false plays on democracy that they show of fake democracy, fake rights. It's not there. And the suppression of freedom of speech there, the suppression of freedom of speech in real democratic government, it's scary. And while overall democracy is prevailing, it is definitely appalled with these certain instances. And with the possible flailing separation of powers and balance of powers in Israel, it is very concerning to see these developments take place in strong countries.
But as we see with the Democracy Summit, there's great success in many places, so failure is emphasized. Overall, democracy continues to stay strong in numerous places. With people's support and continued outpouring of support for democracy, it will strengthen in the areas where there are concerning developments. Because all the time, democracy is for the people, by the people. It is we the people. And we should never forget that in any country, whether there's a strong democracy or a weak democracy, we the people, by standing up to the government, by standing up for ourselves, by standing up for our rights, there's always a way to make democracy stronger and to preserve our values. Overall, democracy is prevailing. But if big democracies like India and Israel fail at great rates, like they're doing now with the suppression of freedom of speech and the lack of balance of powers, then democracy will not continue to prevail, especially in a global sphere. As I've always said, democracy is always all in or all out. And what these countries in India and Israel and other autocratic rules decide to do will shape the future of democracy. Whether they're all in or all out, only time will tell. And hopefully they're all in and we're able to continue to strengthen democracy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Democracy Appalled, and I'm your host, Rohan Mova. This show is all about democracy. This is Democracy Appalled, live from 1490 WWPRAM every Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern. If you have any questions about democracy, send us an email at democracyappalled at gmo.com, and we'll bring that topic in our next week's session. Remember, that email is democracyappalled at gmo.com. In next week's episode, we'll take a look at another country. If you have a suggestion, email us at democracyappalled at gmo.com. We'll also expand our understanding of democracy by understanding the relationship between democracy and the media, current affairs, and more. Tune in right here, live at 1490 WWPRAM every Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern. Thank you so much and have a great week.